1: It's that time of the week. It's Doggy Pod time.
0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Doggy Pod. I'm producer Stephen Peters. And I'm Dr. Rob Zammit. And this week's episode, we're going to talk about what to be aware of in summer as it's just around the corner, and some dogs love the heat. While others, not so much. Yeah, it is starting to warm up. We'll also talk about
1: a little thing called RAGE. Well, it's not a little thing. It's quite a dangerous thing. R-A-G-E, RAGE syndrome. What is it and which dog
0: breeds are susceptible to getting it? I'll also tell you the early signs that your dog may have if it accidentally eats something like snail bait or rat poison. And what are the crucial things you should do first? And in Rob's top five this week, gee, we caused some controversy
1: last week, let me tell you, (laughs) because last week it was the uh, top five smartest dog breeds. This week, Dr. Rob will tell us the top five breeds for agility. What's the most agile dog you could possibly have? Uh, And Rob will give us uh, those top five a little bit later in the show. As always, before we get into the show, um, what's been going
0: on in the clinic this week, Rob? Oh, yeah, we had a nasty one. And I guess with some around the corner, it's just as well to talk about it. We had a red belly black snake envenomation of a dog. This dog came in. It was carried in by the owner, and which was good because it stops the poison moving around the body, if you can keep your dog still. But it was in a really bad way. We... Did what's called a pack cell volume. So hang on, away. the dog had been bitten by a red-belly black snake. Dog had been the unfortunate saw that was bitten by a red-belly black snake. Picked ah. the dog up and just came straight in with the dog. One of the most deadly snakes <clears throat> in the world. Pretty much, yeah. Not as bad as the br- uh, the brown. The browns mm. are really deadly, but the red. Be- yeah, we have of the top ten most deadly snakes. I think Australia has seven in the world.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We've we've done well.
0: (laughs) We punch above our weight, (laughs) (laughs) unfortunately. And certainly red bellies are very common in the Australian environment, especially around the coastline. And this dog came in, it was white in the gums, really pale. We did a quick blood test. Its red cells were right down, right down. The red cells carry your oxygen through your your blood. You need uh, a fair amount of them. And his were nearly all gone. Why? Because the venom, the red belly black snake venom, when it goes into your uh, system, it ruptures your red blood cells, actually it ruptures them. So he's... <clears throat> That's for humans and dogs. Oh, both. Yeah. The red cells were low, and the clear part of the blood, called the serum, was all very much tinged red because of the ruptured red cells. So this dog was in a, a world of trouble. We quickly put it onto a, a fluid line to get some fluids and get the blood pressure up, and then transferred. Fortunately, we do carry whole blood. We transferred it to a whole blood um, transfusion and gave this dog a blood transfusion to bring its red cells up. Was the dog in pain or mm-hmm. not? Not quite no, knowing just, what was going all, on. It was just about unconscious. I didn't think we were going to yeah. save this dog. Uh, we wow. <clears throat> gave it andivanine. We carry what's called. Multivalent antivenin, so it doesn't matter if your dog's bitten by a, a red belly or a tiger or a brown. Um, it, it, this antivenin will do all types of snakes. So mm. we gave that intravenously. What sort of dog was it? It was a little, just a little cross border collie. It was a gorgeous little dog, and I got to say, it was almost like thanking us when it came to. Right. right? And it was twenty four hours later, but that's not the end of it. We have to give it cortisone and those sort of things to stop allergic reactions and try and minimise the shock. The problem we have, this dog is up and about, um, and we will send it home, but we'll have to keep bringing it back for other tests. Snake venom also has um, things in it that causes breakdown of your own body tissues. It can break down your kidneys and send you into kidney failure. It can break down your liver. It can do all sorts of nasty things to your body. So we have to keep monitoring this dog for a little while and yeah, ensure that the kidneys are still functioning. The kidneys themselves are overworked because of all the rubbish that's in the blood with the breakdown of all the red cells, a massive destruction. Then you've got what's called the, the, the toxins that cause the breakdown of tissues and things. That can cause a lot of problems and eventually can kill the dog within the next few days of envenomation.
1: That's what I was going to ask. Had, had he not realised his dog had been bitten or not done anything,
0: how long would a dog have? In that case, the dog was already affected so badly. It must have been a lot of venom went into the system. That dog only was a matter of hours at the most. Wow. It wasn't going to live very long. It depends. People get say, oh, it's only a baby snake. Don't be fooled. Baby snakes have as much venom as big snakes. So, in fact, <clears throat> baby snakes are more apt to bite and release a lot of venom because they're more panicky. The bigger snake may not release all its venom at once, so your dog might be in a, a better position <laughs> if it's bitten by a big snake.
1: Right, okay. Uh,
0: and it's, regardless, if you see a snake, please just keep away from it. You know, just move right away and the snake will leave you alone. Just If you're in the bush, walk away from a snake. Don't try and shoo it away or do anything else. Don't antagonise it. Leave it alone. But if, you, if your dog gets bitten by a snake, if you see where it gets bitten um, – Yeah, hold on tight onto that spot and don't let go. And if you can carry your dog, carry it to the car, take it to a vet, always get someone to hold that spot or put a tourniquet on it. Yeah. That will help. Get it to the vet as quickly as possible. Even if you think, oh, the dog's not reacting, he's all right. And I've had that happen. Years ago, I had a dog that came in 10 days after it was bitten. The owner saw it get bitten, thought, oh, it's not affected. 10 days later, this dog was affected. So... It can be slow with red-bellied black snake for the for the venom to act, but it nearly always does act. So you see a dog bitten by a snake, get it to the vet. Often we see dogs come in with their languid, they're really down, they're out, and, and it doesn't know why. And we do a blood test to see if it's been bitten because you don't always see them bitten, but you'll see the effects of snake bites and you have to act very quickly to save them.
1: But that was one very lucky dog. Sure obviously. was. Okay, our quiz question this week is, um, which I didn't realise, which breed of dog on average is actually 30% deaf in one ear? 30% deaf in one ear, born that way. Um, Is it A, a greyhound? B, a Bichon Frise?
0: No, Bichon Frise.
1: Bichon Frise, my apologies. They're French,
0: they French.
1: Bichon Frise. C, a Dalmatian, or D, an old English sheepdog. And Rob will tell us all about it a little bit later on the show. <music> now, we're sitting in here... With our board shorts on in the studio, our singlets. It's getting nice and warm outside. We've got the zinc cream on the nose, um, you know. And, and we're lucky as humans, of course, we can adapt to weather changes. But you know, dogs can't. They're still stuck with wearing that uh, that big fur coat um, 365 days a year. Which what can we do for our dogs, you know, during these yep. summer months that might just make life a little bit easier for them?
0: Really, you need to think about shade first. First and foremost, has your dog got 24-hour shade somewhere? A lot of people say, oh, yeah, it's nice and shady just there in the kennel. They forget that the kennel's in the hot sun. And if you've got a kennel that's made of metal, inside that kennel gets roasting hot. Mm -hmm. So a really good shade area for your dog, depending on what sort of area you live in, whether it's trees, shade cloth... Lots of, you know, um, area where it's cool for the dog and he can go in there and just lay down quietly in the shade. That's the first thing. Second thing is water, cool water. And, again, make sure the water is in 24-hour shade. You know, do you like a drink of hot water in the middle of a hot day? Not particularly. Mm. Seems
1: know. obvious, doesn't it? But I guess a lot of people, people don't realise.
0: They go, oh, yeah, the water's in the shade when I leave home and it's in the shade when I get back. They forget that during the day that water heats up. So that too is very, very important. I'd like to, to take it a step further. I will also put out a bowl with electrolytes in it for them or better still, if you can get some doggy electrolytes, if you, if you can't, even a bit of Gatorade, it's all electrolytes oh. for them. I like to make ice blocks for them and put those out in the middle of a hot day, let them lick those. You'd be surprised to me; dogs really love it, crunching on the... On their electrolytes, and it cools them off, you know, because they're, where does a dog sweat from? Both its paws and its tongue. They're the places where it sweats, its feet and tongue. Okay. And so you've got to keep those areas cool for them. Don't hose the dog down. A lot of people like to hose the dogs. Yeah, that's then, what I would have thought would have been a good thing it, to do. The problem is then the heat causes steam to rise, And they're sitting in a world of humidity, really hot, humid around them, and it makes it harder for them to breathe. If you hose, you've got to keep the hose on all the time, and then they're going to get too cold and too wet and too yucky. So you only hose a dog down if it's all of a sudden you have heat stress in the dog, and the dog's obviously in a real bad way. You've got to get their body temperature down, then you might hose them down. But don't keep a hose on them all the time. I mean, dogs have obviously adapted
1: over the centuries, Um, you know, the fact that they've they've got fur and they've got heavy Mm -hmm. coats that, Mm -hmm. you know, they go through the seasons and they manage to Mm -hmm. survive. So obviously they must have internal... Monitoring um, system. Yeah, that's right. And
0: They they know. They'll drop their winter coat and come up with a summer coat um, and they know where to go to bury in in, into the cool areas if it's there. If it's not there, of course, then they're in a a world of hurt. Um, Be careful of the dog that has white ears or a, a nose that's not black. Because they will get uh, sun cancer. They can get sunburned. Oh, can't yeah, they? yeah. Yeah, and they get cancers in those areas. So that's another area to be very aware of. And of course, what comes with the summer? Flies. And what do flies like to do to, to dogs? They like to eat them. Flies yeah. will attack dogs' ears and extremities and eat into them to suck blood. And, and I've seen dogs with ears half eaten off because of flies. No excuse for that, people. Well, what, what can we do? <clears throat> Well, there is a, various products that you can put on dogs, and some people say, I've tried those products. Um, the one that I, the only one that I've ever had really good success with, I'm going to mention, I don't usually mention products on, on air, but it's called Repelix in Australia, R-E-P-E-L hyphen X, and that works really, really this well. This is not a paid sponsorship, folks, by the way. No, <laughs> but we care for your dogs, so we're going to mention this product. I've used it many times on the police dogs. I've used it on my own dogs Repellics. I've used it on horses that attract flies, and it just works very, very well. So that's something that you do want to think about, um, making sure there is protection against flies, essential for, for your dog. Um, I like to also put some bones in the freezer and give them a, a cold bone. A to, frozen to chew on. bone? Yeah, how's that? Like a, well, that's a cool idea. Yeah, like a paddle pop stick, I guess, or like, not stick, like a paddle <laughs> pop or an ice block for your dog. Um, ice blocks for your dogs, as I said, make them out of electrolytes. But a, a frozen bone also helps keep them cool. Don't feed them in the morning when it's going to be hot. Um, if your dogs, unless they're in a very cool area all day long, I like to feed them in the cool of the, of the evening when it's really cooled off. Remember, if you feed them in the morning and they run around, especially in the heat, they're more prone to getting bloat, which will kill them. And right. The same with nighttime when you feed them, it's rest time after you feed. Don't let them run around at all.
1: Okay, okay. And of course, some dogs can get really cranky, you know, because they're bloody hot yep. and they can't cool down. Yep. But some breeds um, get a thing called rage syndrome. R A G E rage
0: syndrome. Nothing to do with heat.
1: Nothing. Yeah, to do with I was just reading a little bit about it the other day because I hadn't heard of it before, and yeah. you know, I found it fascinating. I thought. This this could be a good thing for you to explain mm. to our listeners. What is rage
0: syndrome? It's just what the word says. The dog goes into a rage. They really get angry and they'll bite at anybody and everything around them for no sensible reason. They don't build up to it. They just They bang, snap. they go. They snap and all of a sudden they're biting their owners. I, I saw one dog... Now the owner was ha- holding the lead, and all of a sudden the dog attacks the owner and bites the owner badly on the hand. It's bleeding. Then it stops, and the dog looks at the owner as if to say, "Oh, what happened to you?" So, how long does that go for, typically? A few minutes. Yeah, you know, wow. just not not too long. It's just it, it can be. It's an, it's thought to be a form of epilepsy. Oh. Just like in people, where you can get people that just explode with epilepsy, uh, have seizures. This is thought to be a form of epilepsy in dogs. Dogs usually have grand mal seizures, you know, where they lay down and they can't move and they thrash about for a minute or two. Rage syndrome is a different type of of epilepsy. Uh, You do get dogs that get petite mal seizures, just mild little seizures, and you get this rage syndrome where the dog just gets angry, doesn't realise it's doing it, and afterwards it's going wow, what happened to your hand or what happened to you? Or, you know, they, they don't even know they've done it. Are some breeds more susceptible? Yes, there have been certain breeds that are known for it. Like? Uh, well, the Cocker Spaniel is, is well known. Uh, and for some reason, the mutation for that gene that causes it has been thought to be part of the gold Labradors in some cases. But breeders of that breed have, have avoided the mutation in their lines have been decreasing it more and more i saw it in what's called an english springer spaniel once um, it can occur in just about any breed i haven't seen it in um, some breeds but i'm always aware of it when i see a dog that just all of a sudden snaps like this and then comes back you think mm, it's got to be on your list of possibilities mm. this rage syndrome but um, so what
1: can you do if...
0: If, if your ad- dog has it, um, you need to talk to your veterinarian. He will probably recommend anti-epileptic drugs. So if it has
1: it and if it does it, it's something that will reoccur?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, rage syndrome does not go away. It comes back and at times can be dangerous. Yeah, you know, when children are involved and things like that and uh, sometimes the veterinarians will, will recommend the worst thing that you have to do. Because you can't put children's lives at risk mm. uh, or your own life Especially at risk. Especially if least. it's a big dog. If you, yeah, and if you can't control it, then unfortunately they will have to put it to sleep. But um, I'd yeah, imagine it's reasonably rare. I don't see it as often as I used to. Back in the 70s and the 80s, well, we used to see a lot of rage syndrome, a lot. But as I said, breeders have been very aware of it and they've seemed to be able to breed out of the lines that, that have that effect. So it's been uh, decreased a lot in the canine population that I see, at least. Wow. Okay, we've all learned something, as we always do on the
1: doggy pod. Another thing that will certainly uh, can make your dog very upset and, and quite ill and maybe even... Uh, put its life in peril, is um, if it accidentally has eaten something like a uh, rat bait or a snail bait or even cockroach baits that uh, that are around homes, what are the early signs, Rob, and what should we urgently do?
0: Mm, and, and not necessarily just around your home. When you take your dog for a walk, if uh, your dog happens to sniff around someone's front garden, you may not know that snail bait's there, but the dog will go yeah, for good it. Good point, yeah. Or if there's, you know, even go somewhere where there's rat bait. Why do dogs even eat these things? Well, they're attractive. They're often brand-based and the dog smells it and thinks, hmm, this is nice, it's cooked brand and it smells nice and I'm going to eat it. And they do. They eat snail bait, ravenously. The other real warning before we get on to what signs, some snail baits have on the packet... um, it repels dogs. Don't like it. You know, it'll repel your dog. Then in small print it says, however, if your dog eats it, you better seek medical advice. Yeah. And, you know, just. So be what careful. do they do? Put some oh, sort of scent in there. Oh, that it doesn't dogs... work. Right. I, okay. I've, I've had plenty of dogs with those ones that dogs are not supposed to like in here on yes, okay. on ventilators and life support. So, if just be careful. If you've got snail bait round, don't let your dog near it. If you've got rat bait round, don't let your dog near it. Now, what happens? If your dog eats snail bait, it's an organophosphate and it's a very um, strong poison, the dog will start seizuring badly and continue to seizure until it dies. If you see your dog eating rat bait, get to the vet as soon as possible. If you see your dog eating snail bait, get to the vet as soon as possible. If it's snail bait, don't get them too excited because that may bring on the seizure. Just put your dog quietly in the car Get, the, get to the vet and say, this is an emergency My dog's eating snail bait. If your dog's not seizuring, the vet will make your dog vomit to bring out as much snail bait as possible.
1: So how do you make a dog vomit?
0: We give it a, a special drug, an injection, called apomorphine, and it brings everything up. Right, okay. Um, if you do have one of those things, I don't know if they even make them anymore. It used to be Ipecac was the product we used to use in uh, first aid kits to make Children and dogs vomit. People don't use that so much because if the dog's seizuring and you try and make a vomit, you will cause inhalation pneumonia. Don't, don't, if the dog's in a seizure, don't put anything down its throat. That will be tremendously risky for your dog's life. So just get it there, we give it an injection, bring it up if it's not seizuring. If it's seizuring, it's too late to make a vomit. What we then have to do if your dog's seizuring is anaesthetize your dog to stop the seizures. We put a tube down the windpipe to keep the dog breathing okay, put it onto a ventilator and anaesthetic gas. Then we wash out. We give it a gastric lavage. We wash out the stomach. And some dogs, we've had to wash out the other end as well, give, it, give them a, an enema. And you see this green product coming up both ends. You know the, mm. the, the, the dogs in the world have hurt a lot of trouble. I've had to keep dogs out, knocked out sometimes for 48 hours until Gee. the toxin passes. You don't always get them through, but if you didn't see your dog
1: necessarily eat something, what would be a couple of signs? Uh... Seizures
0: with, with snail bait. and we'll just talk snail bait first. Yeah, seizures—that's what you'll see. You see the dog salivating a lot, like frothing at the mouth, and seizuring. Right, get them to the vet, okay. and the seizures doesn't stop. If it's a epileptic seizure, it usually stops within a minute or so. You know, by the time you get the dog in the car, it often stops. But snail baits, they just keep on seizure and keep, they can't coordinate, they, you know, they're all over the place, they're usually lying down, they usually can't get up, they're usually on their sides and cannot stand up, and time to get them to the vet quickly. Rat bait, and I've had people come in with, I don't know what's wrong with my dog, um, but you, you look at the gums and they're white, or worse still, you look at the gums, the gums are white, but on the margins between the gum and the teeth, there's blood oozing out. Because rat bait causes your dog to bleed. It stops the dog from coagulating. It can't, its blood cannot clot anymore. Can't coagulate. And they just bleed internally. They'll bleed internally from Horrible. the gut, and they'll bleed even from the gums. When we see that, we again have to put the dog onto a, to some fluids and give it a transfusion. If the if the red cells have dropped to a very very low level, we have to give a transfusion straight away, and then we have to start giving antidote. In both cases, we use antidote. In the case of organophosphates like cockroach baits and rat and uh, snail bait, we use atropine to try and uh, overcome the poison. In the case of rat bait, we use vitamin K intravenous vitamin K because that's what the rat bait does. It takes away the vitamin K from the dog's body and stops the coagulation process. It can't clot anymore and dog hemorrhages like crazy. So we fill it up with vitamin K, give it red cells to overcome its loss already and try and get the dog over it that way. So untreated, a dog would die? Oh, yeah. But in both cases, in all cases, cockroach bait, snail bait um, and rat bait, they die. I mean, with cockroach baits, they're usually encased in some sort of little plastic well, you know, do dogs think that's a bit of fun to have a chew on? and Well, what do we do? Very often we, we have toys where we put food inside for dogs. And, hey, this is fun. <laughs> I'm going to chew on the toy until I get in. So it's just another toy. So
1: don't think because it's inside a
0: plastic. It's going to be safe? Yeah. No, no. There's, there is no safety from a dog's jaws when it wants to get into that. If it gets time to play with something like that, it'll keep playing until it breaks it through and gets the poison.
1: All right, it's time now for Dr. Rob's Top 5. Now, last week, gee, we got a big reaction to that. There was uh,
0: <laughs> Dr. Rob's... Uh, oh, just, just while we're there, can I uh, tell that uh, person that did email, yes, your dog is the most intelligent dog in the world. That's all I want to say. There
1: you go. I, you, I agree. You know, you know who you are <laughs> and stop threatening us. Um, so, yes, last week it was uh, the Top 5 breeds for intelligence. This week, Dr. Rob's countdown from five down to one is the most agile dog breeds you know, as far as being uh, a good yeah, jumping around.
0: Jump. Well, dogs that do well in agility trials yes. because they have to certainly go through jumps, through tunnels. They go through these you know dark tunnels. They get onto walkways and walk along walkways, high up, and jump through tires and do all sorts of things. I think that's pretty well agile.
1: Okay, so counting down from number five down to number one for the most agile dog breeds.
0: On the planet, at number five... It's a little dog called the Shetland Sheepdog. These are great little dogs. Now, look, they're sometimes called little collies, if you like, but they're they're, the shape of a collie, but much smaller. Very agile little dogs, and when they work with their owners, they love doing things for their owners, including agility trials.
1: Coming in at number four
0: is... An American breed called the Australian Shepherd. (laughs) Weird, isn't it? They were developed in, in America, but they are... Great sheep dogs, great sheep herders, and lo- love it doing agility trials. So, why are they called an Australian Shepherd? Because the Americans thought that they were breeding a dog f- from um, animals that were sent with some of our sheep at the turn of the 18th, and 19th centuries. We sent some merinos over there with dogs and they bred them up from those. They're a bit, they do look a bit like a border collie, a little bit larger than a border collie, um, but they're obviously an, a, a different breed and so they got the name Australian Shepherd in America where they developed the breed. And when you go to America and they hear from Australia, oh, God, you've got the best Aussies in the world, haven't you? Actually, you guys started the breed. (laughs) We'll we'll take that. Coming in at number three. The poodle. Really smart dogs, yes. I agree that they didn't make the top five last week, but they are very intelligent dogs. And, wow, you watch these miniature poodles, and even standard poodles take off in an agility uh, competition They love it. They have a lot of fun. They laugh while they do it, I reckon. Coming in at number two. Uh, one of the Belgian Shepherds called the Malinois. Belgian Shepherds come in four varieties. The Tavurin, which is a long-coated dog. The uh, Lacamoire, which is a curvy-coated dog. The long, black-haired uh, Gronendale, And the slightly sort of... W- wiry-haired Malinois, a little bit longish in hair, but not as long as a Tavurin. Beautiful dogs. A Malinois? Malinois, Belgian Shepherd, four types.
1: All right. Okay, that means there's only one place left. Yes. The number one agile dog breed that you could possibly own is...
0: The Scottish-Australian Border Collie. Ah. Scottish-Australian. The Border Collie came from the borders of Scotland, but they found such a good home here that we have some of the best Border Collies in the world. Undoubtedly the best Border Collies in the world. Very intelligent, but boy, you see them ripping around. They tear up the heat on those agility courses. Just about flames fire along from when they go through the tunnels. They're just fantastic dogs.
1: There you go. That's the number one most agile dog breed you could own. On the planet. Okay, now the answer to our quiz question, which you may remember from earlier on, is, is that um, there is one dog breed that is actually 30% deaf in one ear. And the choices were a greyhound, uh, a Bichon Frise, uh, which is the French way of pronouncing, I believe, uh, a Dalmatian, or an old English sheepdog. Now, 30% deaf in
0: one ear. Mm, on average, not all of them. I, and I, I don't know if they mean 30% of them are deaf in one ear or thirty, or all of them have 30% deafness in one ear. No, I think it's the, the, if,
1: if, I, if they have it, it's 30% deaf in yeah, one ear.
0: Yeah, I'm, I always wonder about how they say that because they say 5% of them are deaf, actually. And this is a, not our figures. These are according to the University's Federation of Animal Welfare. Quite a lot of universities are, that are involved in that and do the statistics on that and say that Dalmatians are deaf in one ear. 30% of Dalmatians are deaf in one ear and 5% are deaf in both ears. We do know that for a fact. And they say it's related to the piebald gene. Others say it's related to the white gene in in the breed. No one knows because you do get other breeds that have congenital deafness. And from time to time, I've seen it in breeds that you don't even expect that have no white in them, but you do see a deaf dog. I see it in the old and the sheepdogs sometimes. One worker in the field said it's the penetration of the white gene into the ear itself, into the nerve, of the the, uh, auditory nerve. Very complicated. And no one knows, but they've all been trying to find out why it happens. White coats with blue jeans, blue eyes, they believe that's got something to do with it. But you see blue eyes in um, a lot of breeds, especially the Siberian Husky, and I don't see deafness in that breed i do see white siberians without deafness we don't know but we're still studying folks we'll get to the bottom of it so if you've got a,
1: a dalmatian and you're wondering why you have to speak up all the time that could be <laughs> why i mean are there tests what tests would you look give?
0: there there have been tests and i've got to say i was big on what's called um one of the tests called a Bayer test but i've thrown it out because it's not reliable I, the You need a much more expensive machine, a much bigger machine than the routine ones that we've been using in veterinary practice. And I've been trying to locate what's the best test to do it. A lot of the Dalmatian breeders say to me, listen, the best test is when they're about six weeks old, I sit one of them quietly in the room and I bash a couple of pans together and see if it reacts. And it's probably true as anything. They certainly find out who's totally deaf at least. Well, the certainly the totally deaf.
1: Yeah, 30% yeah. you can probably really live with.
0: You know. I have not, um, I've lost faith in some of the bio-testing and I'll say that openly. I'm sure the bio-testing companies will come back and yell at me for saying it, but i but of be honest. A people yelling at you. Yeah, well, yeah, they all do. So just be aware and breeders are very, very cautious about making sure they don't breed dogs with these problems and they certainly never want to sell dogs with this sort of problem. They try and... Yeah, they may find a good home. Some of these deaf dogs find forever homes as long as people know that they're deaf when they're getting it in the yeah, first place. Yeah. That's the thing.
1: All right, that's it for us on this episode of the Doggy Pod. We really appreciate you listening, and uh, feel free to spread the word and subscribe. And as I have said before, go to our Facebook page. There's all sorts of interesting stuff there. Thank you for listening. Have a great weekend,
0: and we will speak to you later. And I will too, and a lot of my friends often comment on one of my fashion trends, but I always say, if you're not covered in dog hair, your life is empty. (laughs) Goodbye. Hold
1: up.